Hi, I'm Martin Albrechtson. Hi, guys. I'm Saido Berahino. Hi, I'm Darren Carter. You're listening to the Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views, and opinions on all things Albion. Hello and welcome back to another season of the Baggies podcast, where, as always, we'll be giving you all the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Today, we're back for a new campaign and we're here to take a look at Albion's 22-23 campaign, reviewing the summer window so far, sharing some predictions and radiating a bit of pre-season positivity needed as we head into the new campaign. And for that, we're joined by Elias Burke, the new West Bromwich Albion reporter for The Athletic. Elias, how are you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really good. Enjoying it. First couple of weeks, really covering West Brom. Obviously, I'm an Albion fan, so it's uh, it's a privilege. And I was down at the Hawthorns this weekend for the match, which was like an experience because obviously I'm used to going to the matches as a fan and sitting in the press box and stuff was kind of overwhelming at first. It was just, yeah, a great feeling. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on and look forward to doing this. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And yeah, as I said, you are a boyhood fan of, of Albion. So you're, you're, you know, you know your stuff and you, you know your stuff about the club. And it must be a great experience to, to begin covering them in, in such detail on the Athletic at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, my first season ticket, I think I had when I was four. <laughs> um, so that was the was it 03-04 season. And I've kept it. I thought, it was a couple of years when I was at university um, that I wasn't able to go as much. Uh, but I kept it until I to, until last season. So last season oh. I was covering Derby um, for the Athletic, but I still had a season ticket in the Brummie Road. So whenever I could get down, I'd go. Um, yeah, obviously just unbelievable. And and working for the Athletic, it's it's so good. I mean, there's so so much kind of scope to to explore things in greater detail and stuff, and so much license that you're given by editors and whatever else to really kind of delve into really interesting and deep stories. And as, as you say, doing it as a fan of your club, going around the country, following them is something that I probably would have done anyway. So being paid to do it, I can't yeah. lie. You really can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. It really is a, a, a dream role, really, for Albion fans. But yeah, you've been doing a great job so far. And towards the end of the episode, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about what you've been sort of up to and what sort of stuff we can look forward to. But Elias, of course, you managed to catch most of these pre-season friendlies played. Uh, always... Uh, err on the side of caution with pre-season friendlies because you never quite know whether that's going to reflect what's going to happen in 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 the, the main season but how would you assess things so far of course it was a, a trip to Portugal that started off the the pre-season and then back to England for a lot of away friendlies and then finishing off with this Hertha Berlin how how were things uh, really in pre-season? Yeah that's the key I think I mean you touched on it there you can't really you know, delve too deep into the into the preseason matches and stuff because I mean last season, granted we started the championship season really well under Val, um, but the final match of preseason ended with a four 0 win away to Blues, um, and that was arguably the best performance of of the season for us <laughs> completely. So uh, yeah, you can't go too deep into those, but I think it's gone okay. Um, you're right, lower league opposition. Obviously, we went to Portugal at the start. It's really just about trying to get minutes in players' legs and stuff. Um, you can really kind of see that the fitness levels have come along since those early pre-season friendlies. Um, players are looking sharper. I mean, you're still, you know, there's, you're seeing glimpses from players, John Swift, Dean Garner, et cetera, that really kind of fill you with encouragement. Um, but yeah, overall, it's gone okay. I don't think we've played unbelievably well in any of the matches, which is perhaps slightly a concern. Um, I think there's just issues with knitting everything together at the moment. So everything kind of looks a little bit disjointed. We kind of hope by the time Middlesbrough comes around this weekend that those things will be sorted out. But you can never be sure. 46 game season. I don't think there's any point in even worrying too much about the first few matches of the season, really. Um, because again, the season, as you say, is just so, so, so long. Um, but yeah, it's gone okay. We've picked up some decent results. DK's got on the score sheet, which is always nice. Um, so yeah, if you had to rate it out of 10, you'd probably give it a, a six or a seven. It's, it's all right, all right. Yeah, all right, I think is the word I'd use to describe it as well. Yeah, it's been, there's been some, of course, I think there was a lot of alarm bells. I think uh, the game against Stevenage where, you know, you saw the sort of overreaction from everybody going, oh my God, we've just lost to Stevenage. But 
as you said, it, the preseason results can. I've seen us have some brilliant preseasons in the past, and I've seen us really struggle when it comes to the league. And I've had, I've seen us nearly lose every single preseason match, and you know, going on, go on to have some of the best seasons I've seen as a fan. So, yeah, you can't really read too much into it. But I suppose in some ways you could by with the lineups that have been chosen. Of course, Hertha Berlin last Saturday and Oxford the week before. Do you think that we can? kind of draw anything from from the lineups that, that Bruce is picking and sort of the formations that he might go for? Yeah, I think definitely from on that sense. I think 4-2-3-1 appears to be what Bruce is kind of like erring towards. And it certainly makes sense with the signings that he's made. Um, obviously, Yukuslu having a six, having another person in that kind of double pivot makes sense because Albin are kind of short on, on numbers there. Livermore obviously missed the game on the w- weekend with illness. That just leaves Moa and Malumbi really with Castro out on loan and stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely adding another person to that too makes sense. I think adding, obviously, Swift as a number 10. We don't really have a recognised number 10 outside of Swift. I know Wallace has played there a little bit. Um, I think I've had Gardner Hickman mentioned to me there as a potential um, idea. But, yeah, definitely having Swift as a, num- as a natural number 10 makes a lot of sense. Wallace as well, having another wide player, wide right. I mean, it just kind of makes sense that 4-2-3-1, that seems to be the system that he's going for, etc. So, yeah, on that front, makes sense. Um, in terms of the lineup against um, against Hertha Berlin on the weekend, Phillips started on the left. Um, I've had it mentioned to me that maybe that might make a little bit of sense against Middlesbrough. Isaiah yeah. Jones, obviously a massive target, or one of their star players at right wing back maybe having that experience and kind of discipline of a, you know, older and more experienced player there can kind of help um, negate that threat a little bit. But then I've also had people say to me, you know what, West Brom are one of the best teams in the league. Why not just try and play against them? And you can understand both arguments, really. Um, definitely going away to Middlesbrough first game of the season. If you want to err on the side of caution, you, I, I don't think you can be blamed too much. Um, so, yeah. I, I think you can read into that. I think DK came off the bench um, and obviously scored and that was massive for him. And I think that will probably warrant his place next week. Grant's done really well. Whether he'll start with Grant or not, it's a different question. Obviously, Grant played so much of his minutes last season from the left. Yeah. Does he play up, does he play up front this season? Does he play off the left? There's so many questions. But I think one thing you can really kind of take away from these from these preseason friendlies in terms other than the 4-2-3-1 and the points that I've made just there is the sheer depth of attacking quality that we've got. I mean, you, you brought Dean Garner on with half an hour left, was it? And then he's just kind of changed the whole game immediately, really. DK came on at the same time as well and scored. Um, so I think that's going to be a big theme throughout the season in terms of having those numbers to go to um, especially in the 46-game season, the condensed schedule because of the World Cup, etc. Um, so, yeah, there's, I think, a, a big kind of takeaway is, is, is Bruce's willingness to switch things around at the front in, in attack, which I think is really encouraging, to be honest. Yeah, especially with those five subs as well in the championship. That's, you know, I know I'm sure Ishmael would have loved to have had this because, of course, he's got like another three front front players on the bench. And, he, you know, at Barnsley, he used to love just switching the front line on and off. So I suppose he would love that, but he's not, he's not with us anymore. But obviously, Bruce is going to love having those options with him. And I think everybody offers a, a, a slightly different thing in that front line. So I think that's always going to help with rotation. And as you said, the, the more condensed schedule now and, yeah, well, I suppose the transfer business, you met, you, you touched on uh, John Swift and, and Jed Wallace there. Of course, uh, creativity was a, ma- was a massive issue for Albion last season, especially as we as Bruce took over and he wanted to play sort of a four at the back as he started with and realised he doesn't actually have any number 10s, which I suppose, uh, as you've touched on there, John Swift is, is probably going to be a massive part of. Um, have you rated those those two uh, transfers and do you think they can solve that that massive issue? Yeah, so I've kind of I've spoken to a few fans about this, and we were we were talking about which obviously every every player isn't going to play every game, especially you know as as World Cup season, um, five subs, condensed schedule, etc. It'd be just too harsh for them to play on Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, every single week. So we tried to break down which which of these players do you think in this Albion squad at the moment will probably play the most amount of matches. And then I kind of settled on probably Swift and Wallace, which is kind of, you know, shocking, I guess, because they're our new two signings. But really, without them, you kind of think that, especially with Swift, who's a number 10, as I said, we don't have another one. 
you everything kind of doesn't make as much sense anymore. Then you'll have to go to a 4-3-3 maybe, or maybe even three at the back, obviously, that you trialled last season. Um, so I think excellent signings, to be honest. And, you know, it just represents unbelievable business early in the window, free agents. You got them in before we went off to even pre-season training. So they've been around the group now for a while. They've done the, the whole process with, with the rest of the group. They know the players and stuff. From what I'm led to believe, you know, they've already having a big impact in the changing room, especially Wallace. I mean, Swift is a character, but Wallace is apparently, you know, yeah. I, I did, I wrote a piece where I kind of um, highlighted that one of the, one of the club staff have already recommended him, not recommended, sorry, um, compared him, sorry, to uh, to Chris Brunt, which is obviously a massive compliment in, in West Brom history, I guess. Um, but yeah, just, just two really, really good signings, really good characters, Add a lot of quality into the team in areas that we've really needed it. And yeah, you talk about there, the creative department, we don't really have any replacement for Swift. With Wallace, it's maybe a little bit different because we've got the numbers and stuff, but we're in a really good place. And shockingly, I guess, you know, last season, you talk about the creative department as our biggest weakness, but now, you, you, you know, you might say it's our biggest strength. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's going to help a lot with, with those two new signings. And I think, yeah, they just they just fill that gap, don't they? They fill the gap and 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 some really two massive championship players. I mean, you know, you ask anybody who's watched championship football over the past sort of five years and say who, who who would you say have been the two most consistent creators? You might you might stick one or the other in there, which I think is yeah, it's massive for 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 Bruce to to get those two in, especially as you said before the pre-season started. So they've been around the group and yeah, Wallace seems like a real leader as you as you touched on a little bit there. So. Yeah, it's definitely a, a massive, massive coup to get both of those in. And another massive coup, Elias, um, Akaya Kushlu, of course, we got a little glimpse of him as he as he walked onto the Hawthorns pitch um, against Hertha Berlin. Um, you, I, I believe you're quite keen to, for us to delve into a number six and, and try and bring one in, as, as I saw on social media. Um, I, I'm guessing that there aren't many better that you would have hoped for us, Albion, to sign than, than you, Kuzlu. No, absolutely not. And obviously, he's got the... He's got such a kind of an affinity to, to West Brom, even though he was there for, or he was at Albion for just a few months, he made such a massive impression. And it seems like he's made a massive impression on the players and, and, and the staff as well as the fans. I think it's a great signing. He comes with unbelievable pedigree. Um, was it 39 caps for Turkey? Played a key part in the Turkey Euro squad last season. Obviously, it comes with the question marks about the fact that he hasn't played very much recently and you know, but you, you kind of hope that these things get sorted out as soon as possible and he'll be back into the team. But as a, yeah, you're right in terms of need, needing number six. I think as soon as we sign Swift, which was another kind of massive position we needed, we needed number 10. We needed some more creativity. We got that with Wallace as well. After that, the glaring hole really in the team. You might say striker, but we've got Grant and DK, which are, you know, proven goal scorers at this level. The What we really, really needed was a number six because we don't really have one. We've got Livermore, who's probably played his best football for Albion in recent years as a number eight. We've got Malumbi, who's, you know, lots of legs and very energetic, but not really a ball progressor. And we've got Moa, who's very good on dead ball situations, obviously got this unbelievable left foot. But we, I don't think there's he's really kind of like stamped his authority on the West Brom midfield yet. And maybe, you know, having someone alongside someone like, OK, you can make all the difference. So I think having a proper number six, someone that's played there for a long time, is very experienced, got that pedigree there, should make all the difference, really. Um, I'm really excited to see to see him in this in this Albion midfield. I don't think it's going to happen too soon because, as I understand, he's, he's quite a distance away. He hasn't had much of a pre-season and stuff. Uh, so it would take him a little while. But, you know, once he's right underway, once he's got some minutes under his belt, I think we'll see that quality. And in terms of quality, really, in that position, there's not really many teams that you can really compare him to. I mean, you know, a 40 cap Turkey international um, is, is very impressive for, for Albion. Yeah. And I think uh, you, your, your piece on the athletic highlighted how good I, I know that we've, we've kind of been looking for somebody who's going to progress the ball by passing it, but he seems like a man who can literally carry the ball from, from midfield into the forward position. So in that way, we've kind of got a progressor, but not in the traditional sense, like, you know, I'd say maybe a Romain Sawyers who can pass the ball forwards. You've got somebody who's now going to kind of carry that ball forwards. I mean, that's going to be a massive coup for us if, if he gets up to speed and we can get him in as soon as possible. 
yeah yeah agreed and and I think that's definitely something that we've been kind of been missing someone to really kind of take the ball out of defense I mean Ajay is kind of a highly rated within the club in terms of his passion and stuff and he can carry the ball as well but what you need is really someone I think I shared a video the other day of, of West Brom playing against Millwall in that season where we got promoted mm. we won 2-0 at the Den and one thing you, you saw immediately was just how quickly we were getting the ball through the third. Yeah. I mean, it went from Johnston to the defenders to Sawyers to Kravinovic or Pereira and then out wide or through to Robson Carnu. And it, with, within the blink of an eye, really, it happened so quickly. And that's what Albi need to get to this season. I think we've got so, so much quality in those creative areas. If we're playing against low blocks and stuff, we need to, at every opportunity, try and move it as quick as possible. And you know, Akai can do that. Maybe it's not through passing, but you can dribble past players. And I said mm. in the piece that, he's, you know, he grew up playing as a winger, so it kind of makes sense that he's kind of so comfortable beating players and stuff. I would like to see him add a little bit more of that progressive pass into his game because I think having having that quality just to kind of speed everything up will, will add something, will add a different dimension to Albion's midfield as well. But definitely, yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement with all the fans, really. It is a good signing. I know I've made my, I know I've said that I've got my reservations and stuff, but it absolutely is a good signing. And if you would have given me Akai at the start of the window, I would have bitten your hand off. So uh, I can't be too critical, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he'll bring back some of that form. And yeah, as you said, he's clearly got that affinity with fans. So it's it's yeah, it's really nice to have him back. It just it just feels right uh, in in that sense. So yeah, hopefully we can see him uh, as soon as possible once he's up to speed and somebody else that we're kind of hoping can bring a bit of their former self back onto the Albion pitch is, is, is Grady Dean Garner, who, uh, yeah, he's shown some real flashes of, of, of the player that we saw under Slavin Bilic and uh, in that promotion season. And yeah, we, we, we got a bit of a glimpse of that against Hertha Berlin when he came off the bench and within minutes had, had, had taken it on his man and crossed the ball into John Swift for, for Albion's opener. But yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of hoping that we can see a bit more of Dean Garner this season and, you again wrote a piece about how to kind of unlock him as well. So yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting prospect, and hopefully he can he can be that key man again this season. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the first question I brought up to to Bruce in in post match after the match. Um, I kind of asked him about you know well what's the kind of deal with Dean Garner really? Like we know we all know he's he's super talented and stuff, but it, obviously it hasn't worked for him. You know, some fans have said it's because we don't play him off the left. Some fans have said that his heart is not in it since since joining from West Ham and stuff. There's all these kind of theories and stuff, but there's not really a proper answer as to why we haven't seen the best Dean Garner since he signed permanently. And and Bruce kind of agreed. He was like, "Yeah, it's my biggest conundrum really since joining West Brom." The you know he what I think he was he would have been Newcastle manager at the time when um, when he was kind of tearing up the championship with us, Dean Garner obviously. And he was like, yeah, for, for my money, he was one of the best players in the championship, really. Um, obviously, against Hertha Berlin on the weekend, you're right. He came off the bench and literally immediately changed the game. And he's done that a couple of times this season, um, in pre-season, sorry. So, yeah, we know he's got the talent. We know he's got all the ability in the world, really. It's just a case of what, what can really happen for him. Is it having a player like of Swift's quality to combine with and stuff? Will that make the difference? Is it kind of playing off the left? Is that is that just is it really as simple as just putting him on the left, for example? And because obviously he has played most of his minutes really from the right. So there's so many questions. But you know, as far as I can tell, this year it seems like he's you know he's bulked up a little bit. He's feeling more confident. You know, he's he's back to that kind of that player that we saw that kind of took our breath away alongside Pereira, really. Um, so you know, as an Albion reporter that wants to see us get promoted and an Albion fan. He's, you know, I really, really wish that we see Dean Garner back to his brilliant best because, I mean, frankly, it makes my job a lot easier having to watch <laughs> Dean Garner playing really well than, you know, struggling a little bit. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I thought it was a bit of a case of last season. I think he was kind of the sole, he was like the, the kind of, everybody looked at him as a bit of the sole creator in the side. Like he was the one with the real raw ability. Whereas I think the season before he had, know Pereira Kravinovic around him who, who you know opposition would mark a bit more equally than last season where I think a lot of a lot of teams when Dean Garner was on the pitch were kind of like oh well he's the only one who can really create anything so let's flock to him let's get let's get a couple of men over to him and he won't be able to do anything and I think 
his confidence is sort of drained as that went on. But I think, you know, with Swift and, and with Wallace, hopefully they can kind of attract, you know, men away from Dean Garner because they're, they're equally, if not as, uh, if not um, more dangerous than him or, or, you know, they could all be equally dangerous. So I think that could help a lot with, with kind of attracting a bit of attention away from him and giving him a little more room to, to run into as, as we know he, he loves to. And, Another thing that could help is having a, a, a real striker to aim at. And that, that striker, of course, Daryl DK, you mentioned earlier on. And that goal against Hertha Berlin hopefully is going to do, uh, do, do, do wonders for him, hopefully, with his confidence and getting on the score sheet in front of the Hawthorns faithful for the first time. Um, hopefully, uh, Elias, do you hope that we're going to see kind of the best from him after, you know, it's, a, it's been a, a stop start, a start to, Albi, to his Albion career, really? Yeah, I mean, literally... I think it's it, he hasn't even played a, a full match really in terms of minutes. Maybe he's played just over a full match actually since he's signed for Albion. Um, is another thing that I spoke to Bruce about after the match. I mean, it's been nine months I think since he's played football consistently because of you know the MLS and stuff. And then he came in January and then he had that mini preseason and stuff. Um, and then kind of came into the Albion starting eleven and got injured almost straight away. And you know. I think people have kind of criticised him a little bit during preseason and kind of noticed his touch hasn't really been there and he hasn't been kind of throwing his weight around in the same way that he did under Val at Barnsley. But it's just one of those things that you kind of have to give time. And, you know, it's right that, you know, he scored, he scored a couple of times now. I mean, the first one wasn't great. It was a bit of a scuffed effort with his left. And apparently this header, this diving header actually came off his shoulder, which I shouldn't oh. be spreading around anyway <laughs> because that might disappoint people. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, obviously, I really, really hope that we see it. And I think what also can can help him as well is having that real kind of competition behind him with Grant. Um, and I know Albion are in the market for another striker, hopefully, as well. Maybe what, something that will happen later on in the window, we'll see. Um, but having someone that is proven score, goal scorer at this level um, can kind of kick him, you know, keep that pressure on him constantly and making sure that he's always right, really on his game and stuff. Uh, I mean, he's shown a lot of the right attributes. Obviously, he's a really big guy. I mean, you can really notice it in person. I think it was a Stevenage match. We um, Because obviously, it's a smaller stadium and didn't yeah. have most of the, sta- the standards open and stuff. We actually went through the players' tunnel to get to the press wow. box. And so all of the players were just kind of there doing their uh, pre-match yeah. stretching and stuff. And um, DK was there on the floor doing the roller thing with his leg, the foam roller thing. Mm. And I walked past him. I was like, Bloody hell, he's massive. <laughs> and then again on um, another one was uh, Button as well. How how yeah. massive he is, he, he kind of shocks you. Um, but then again on 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 against against Herta after the match, I saw him again. He's like this guy is like, quite clearly going to be a real pest to to mm. to championship defenses. I mean, he scored goals at this level before. There's absolutely no reason why, with all the quality that we've got in attacking areas, that you can't do it again. Um, so yeah, I, absolutely. I hope he does. Yeah, he came and did some some warm ups just in front of me where I was sat in the Hertha Berlin game, and it's just his calves. It was like this is like Olympic, like an Olympic standard physique. I mean, he was yeah, it is massive, and yeah, any championship defense facing up against DK this season, I think there are going to be problems for them. And I mean, you know, if he can just get those those goals in sort of early on, it can boost his confidence, and hopefully, we can see him kind of getting back into the rhythm of, you know, being that proper nuisance up front that we need. But yes, you are right, Elias. He is absolutely massive. And <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a pain. Um, yeah, I suppose the, the final question sort of with, with what we can kind of allude to with pre-season, I'm not sure if this is something that we can kind of tell yet, but um, it seems like we, we're quite keen to get the ball wide into those wide areas and cross for DK when he's on the pitch. Do you think this is kind of the, the style of play that we're going to try and use in those attacking areas this season? Yeah, that's something I patted myself on the back a little bit for on, on the weekend <laughs> because um, I noticed how many times, well, I mean, you kind of notice it throughout preseason, really, how often we um, we kind of switch the ball out to Wallace, especially because I guess that's Wallace's game, shifting the ball out very quickly and then whipping it early into the box. Um, and it certainly seems like that's kind of kind of going to continue um, under Bruce at Albion. I mean, I mean, as long as it works, and absolutely because it seems, I mean, it kind of, it's reminiscent to the kind of heydays with with Chris Brunt, how he'd just get the ball wide left, just shift it very quickly and then cross it. You know, you, you think of the combinations he had with Lukaku and Rondon and all those kind of big strikers, like Fortune and Bednar and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's 
I mean, hopefully that's something that we can replicate. Hopefully Wallace and, and DK is as fruitful as some of those combinations. I certainly think it will be. And having a strike, a striker, I know he obviously plays off the left, but he's got a real kind of striker's mindset in Grant coming in late as well. Yeah. Just to kind of sweep things up or maybe get on the end of some of those far post crosses. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly crossing. And then and then obviously Dean Garner did something similar as well with, with Swift's goal. And he can, yeah. you know, Dean Garner's at his best when he's taking players on on the byline and beating them and whipping them low and stuff for strikers. So, yeah, it certainly seems like it's going to be a tactic. But as I've mentioned, we've got so many numbers in those areas <laughs> that really, in, in terms of, as long as we kind of unlock Swift and we get Swift into those pockets where he can really affect play from the number 10 position, we've got so many options. We can kind of mix and match. You can play Wallace on the right and then a more attack-minded uh, Grant from the left. We can play Dean Garner on the left and another player on the right. You know, Matty Phillips even, who can kind of whip them in also. There's so many options in that position. So um, I think it just kind of horses for courses, really. And, you know, if, if it seems to be working, if Wallace seems to be performing well and DK's getting on the end of his crosses, then, I mean, why stop? Because it's quite, it's quite clearly um, a useful source of goals. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that. Well, you can see it with the two goals, really. The the early delivery, I think, it really does catch defences out. And when you've got somebody like DK, who's, especially for that second goal, was was already kind of in front of the man, ready so ready for a delivery. I mean, you can spot where it was going. And I think that's going to be a really deadly combination this season. And I suppose, earliest one thing I wanted to talk about, as I know that it was it's a bit of an interesting prospect for everybody, which is the other championship teams and, and how... Um, how everybody else is looking, really. I mean, there's plenty of teams to look at. There's, I know we spoke about it off air about how it's just we we are silly to even be trying to predict it in any way. But I suppose with all these teams to look at, who who are you thinking might be in and around those promotion spots come come the end of the season? Well, for one, I certainly hope that we are. Yeah, uh, we've made all the right additions that we should be in and around those areas um, at least. Obviously, Norwich is one that you can always kind of put a safe bet that they'd be in and around there. You know, Pookie scores so many goals in the championship. They've done it so many times before. Obviously, now it's a bit different. They don't have Farker as their manager, but Dean Smith's a really good manager at this level. Um, obviously, someone that had, had, has been linked with us previously as well. So uh, you, you'd have to assume that Norwich would be up there. I think Borough, who we playing obviously on the weekend, another great manager in Chris Ward, another one that we almost got also. Um, you know, they they they're kind of just so well organized and they're so suited to the championship and they've got quality in their team and stuff as well. Obviously, I've mentioned Isaiah Jones there, that you'd assume that they'll find a way of you know being in the top two or the top six towards the end of the season. The relegated side as well, Watford, they've got you know quality players. Whether they'll be able to keep it up, really, you know, I don't fancy them as maybe as much as I did like a Fulham, for example, last year, but they're still, I imagine they'll be strong. Burnley's a bit of a, a weird one. I'm not sure how good they're going to be. Obviously, Vincent Company is a bit of a kind of untested, really, in the championship. Um, but Scott Twine, I thought, was a really good signing. Um, you know, kind of a really unique player um, and, and a player that I assume that will make the kind of seamless step up between League One and the championship. So there's, you know, there's four or five teams there that, you know, should be in and around those areas. But as you say, there's always one or there's always one or two really that just kind of completely take you by surprise. I mean, nobody thought Luton would be up there last season yeah. and, then, you know, they finished in the top six. Huddersfield, again, obviously they don't have Corboran, uh, so it might be a bit different this year. And obviously they've lost a couple of their best players to Forrest as well, Toffolo and O'Brien. So it might be a bit different there. But, um, yeah, nobody expected them to be in the top three last year. So there's just kind of so many... You know, different variables really who can go on those runs who can piece it all together over a 46 game season uh but hopefully West Brom will be up there I mean I'm confident they will be Norwich um Middlesbrough I think they're probably my top three uh, as it stands well as long as you've got us in there Elias that's that's, yeah. that's all that matters so obviously Elias plenty of teams sort of vying for those top spots but also plenty of teams hoping to keep themselves away from that bottom three we, we hope Albion won't be anywhere near that but I suppose the second half of well I suppose the, the 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 form in the mid half of the season under Ishmael and a bit of Bruce would have had us down there if we hadn't have picked up those points at the start of the season how are you looking at the the relegation situation I know that you obviously have unfortunately got a little bit of experience with 
with covering covering a team really in, in Derby last season. But how are you seeing the relegation picture this season? Yeah, definitely being up there is much nicer than being down there in terms of championship. Um, yeah, covering Derby last season, you know, when they were rooted to the bottom of the table and stuff. Obviously, it was a nice narrative and whatever else. But yeah, it's not very pleasant when your team is losing most weeks, especially away from home. Sorry, Derby fans, if there are any of you listening. Um, in terms of teams that are in those kind of positions, you might say Birmingham City, which is like sad because I know, I know, I guess technically they are our rivals in some ways, but it's, it's not like Villa or Wolves, is it? Like no. it's kind of more of a friendly rivalry. Um, obviously, the only team that we'll be playing really from the West Midlands next season in the in the championship anyway. Um, so it's just nice to have another team down there. But they're whatever position they're in at the moment. Honestly, I couldn't shed any light into like what what Birmingham City will look like next season in terms of ownership, their manager. The playing staff, etc. It's just in they're in such a precarious position that you kind of have to say they're one of the teams that could struggle. I know Lawrence Bassini went on Talksport and said that he'd expect Blues to be fighting up for promotion, but obviously he's not <laughs> taking the club over. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't think that will happen. Yeah, Birmingham City, unfortunately, probably you might have to put down there. I think Rotherham. You know, they they tend to be one of those clubs that kind of teeter between League One and the Championship, unfortunately. And you probably think that it's going to be a similar task for them this year. There's so many clubs really in League One that go down there and have, you know, com- comparatively large budgets, etc. But as soon as they go up to the pre- um, to the Championship, it all kind of levels itself off mm-hmm. very quickly and you realise that you're pr- competing with, with two or three teams um, to really stay up, really. Um, so it's, it's a tough aspect on, on, on Rotherham's side. You know, can they can they pull off some fairy tale story and end up like Luton and somehow defy relegation and end up in the top six? Who knows? I hope for their sake that they can, but it's going to be tough for them. So there are two sides that you'd have to say. But there's so many so many teams really in the championship that you can never kind of as in the same way that you can't predict who's going to be up there. Really, you can't predict who's going to be down there. You know, you're right in saying that Albion last season that period under under Ismail and you know start of the Bruce era to be honest we were we weren't picking up the points to be anywhere near the top half or the top six or even promotion whatever we we looked more like a relegation team at times so you never know there could be a side there and you know we've seen double relegations happen previously as well so you know you hope for Burnley's sake that it doesn't that something like that doesn't happen but you know unproven manager unproven team at this level you can never be sure. That's not me suggesting that they will get relegated for sure. But um, it's, it's just that's the beauty of the championship, isn't it, really? You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I, when we said before coming on air, we were like, I, I said to you, we're not picking positions or anything because we'd be very, very silly to even attempt to try and get there, uh, cobble some teams into p- different positions. But at least if you kind of have to look at some maybe ones to watch in the league, some players that, you know, maybe you're looking forward to seeing or looking forward to seeing how they get on, who, who, who are you picking for them? Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, but I think Scott Twine is an interesting one at Burnley. Um, obviously, he scored so many goals and provided so many assists in League One for MK Dons last season. I kind of think he's one of those like weird players that just happens to get on the score sheet very often, but like doesn't actually... Like impressed that much? I know that sounds a bit crazy. Yeah. He just gets in those positions where, you know, you can score goals and he'll hit a, a shot that isn't that actually well struck, but it will just find a way to sneak in past the goalkeeper. Yeah. And some people just, ha- some players just have the happy knack of <laughs> scoring goals like that. And it'd be really interesting to see if you can kind of translate that from, from League One to the Championship. And then obviously on West Brom's side, I'm really looking forward to seeing Dean Garner next season. Um, I really, really hope he could kind of translate that preseason form into some really, you know, really good minutes in the championship next year. And he can hopefully be a really key part for us. Another player also, because I've always got an interest in Finnish players because my grandma's Finnish. Okay. Um, so yeah. I'm always kind of keeping the, the Finnish national team in the back of my mind. <laughs> I think I think this is going to be a really interesting season for Pukki, actually, because he scored so many goals um, in recent years in the championship. You know, he's kind of perennial top goal scorer contender. But now he's gone back there. He's a few years older. He seems like he's lost maybe a yard of pace. Can he do it again? I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be yeah. really important for, for Norwich's promotion season. Can Pucky do it again? Can he, can, can he be up there again 
among the top goal scorers. Another one in that aspect, actually, is Dwight Gale, because oh, obviously yeah. he was so good for us. And now he's a few years older. You know, does he still have the same legs? Does he still have that motivation? Can he can he score loads of goals for Stoke? You know, if he does, then maybe that's a massive kind of point in their favour in terms of promotion as well. Um, so there's so many kind of different stories, but those those four that I've mentioned there, I think ones that I'll be looking out for for sure. Yeah, I think the Gale one's going to be Albion fans will definitely be watching with interest. It's going to be nice because they they I suppose they they do create they did create a lot of chances last season by the looks of the numbers, but there wasn't really a lot of clinical finishing going on for Stoke. So. I suppose if you're going to pick anybody, you'd pick the guy who scored, you know, 25 goals or whatever it was a, a couple of years ago. But he has, as you said, he hasn't played that much. He hasn't really got that 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 sort of uh, that sort of match sharpness. It's going to have to be uh, driven into him a little bit uh, throughout pre-season. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Gale gets on. I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of the other Burnley lads actually, the new signing, Josh Cullen's one that really really uh, catches my eye. He was really good for Anderlecht last season and. I'm surprised he's taken a championship move. I thought I thought he'd end up maybe going to the Premier League or something like that with, with maybe somebody like Nottingham Forest, who I know have been in the market for some midfielders. But he's one that strikes my uh, strikes a bit of interest for me. And 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 Luke McNally at the back, I think, who, who did very well for Oxford last season uh, in his first league one season as well. I think really really interests me. Burnley just interests me this season, as you mentioned. It could really go either way for for them. Uh, you know, obviously relegation, it looks a bit of a way off for them, but still, you know, you've, you've seen it before. You've seen unproven manager, quite a few, you know, lower league players coming into their side. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they get on. But those are a couple that I'd like to pick out, along with, the, of course, the Gale interest will be, will, be, will be really interesting to see. But yeah, I think the championship, as always, is going to hot up to be a, a, an exciting prospect and definitely very unpredictable. But one thing, Elias, I'm going to have to make us do is is predict a bit of Albion's season because I think it'd be silly not to. But um, yeah, as I said, it's going to be interesting for us and hopefully we'll be up there. But of course, top scorer is is an interesting one. Carlin Grant was last season top goal scorer with 18 goals and he really impressed in, in, in the finishing department. I think a, a lot more than a lot of us would have expected after seeing him in the Premier League. But he really came to life, especially on the, the left side of that front three under Ishmael. How are you? How are you feeling about Albion's top scorer? I've got a feeling that there might be a certain person in, in mind for you. Yeah, I hope it's DK. I really, <laughs> really hope it's DK. Um, and, and I hope kind of on a personal level as well that he starts really well and he can score some goals before the World Cup and get himself into that US squad. And then obviously have a terrible World Cup against, <laughs> against England and, you know, have loads of chances and, and spurn them all and maybe beat them 5-0, etc. But um, yeah, no, I really hope he scores some goals uh, before before the World Cup and make sure he gets into that squad. And then obviously from there and then fire us to promotion. So I want to go with DK as my top goal scorer favourite. Let's say he ends up with 20 goals, get 15 from Grant, have Wallace chip in with 10, Dean Garner chip in with 10, and I think we'll we'll be on our way to promotion if that's the case. Yeah, that's dynamite. That is, I mean, that's like, yeah, it re- it completely like re- it shares around that sort of Gail Rodriguez partnership into into three or four different outlets, which is which is good. I- I'd go for DK as well, as you said, on a personal level. He's had a real tough time since since joining us. You just hope that he can, well, firstly, stay fit, which is 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 obviously the main thing, but also secondly start getting some goals and start showing everybody the championship player that, that I think we we all we all saw at Barnsley and we know that he could be, especially with all the creativity around him. So, yeah, DK, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And, um, yeah, Elias, are you going for a different name for a player of the season than DK? Is, that, uh, is there somebody else that you think you, you might see in, in that, in that would get that award at the end of the season? I know I've mentioned Grady a little bit as well, so it'd kind of be remiss to not put him up there. But I think Swift, I think Swift is going to have a really good season for us this year. Obviously, providing he stays injury free, which has obviously been a bit of a concern for him in recent years. Um, but I really do hope that it's going to be a massive season for Swift because he's got all the ability. I mean, you can see that in preseason. Mm. In so many instances where he's kind of received the ball on the half turn and played some unbelievable passes. I think it was Stevenage, the first one, that kind of passed on the outside of his left foot and it kind of just showed everyone, OK, this is a player that we've got now with real quality. Um, and obviously going from last season where we were kind of so missing in that department, having someone with that kind of quality, I think, can kind of just knit everything together in front of the uh, front three and just kind of make sure that we re- really are kind of competing at the top of the division. So Swift, let's say we get eight goals and 
13 assists out of John Swift, then I think he's good enough for my uh, for my player of the season, for sure. Yeah, it's nice to have so many options, though, isn't it, really, with, with players that are really exciting. I feel a bit bad because we haven't really talked about the defence, have we? I feel like we've, we've, we're kind of leaving them out a little bit. And I think this is a big season for, for Dara O'Shea as well, who, of course, has, has just become a father as well, just had his first child. I mean, it's a big big season for him as well. Hopefully he's going to get some more minutes under Bruce. So I'd like to stick him in there, but I think the attacking plaudits if, if uh, we are to start grabbing some goals and assists are, are going to come from that front four. And I think Swift as well is, I think he's just going to, yeah, he's just going to be everything we, we've missed. And I think we'll appreciate him more because we've, we've missed a player like that. So I, I feel bad for copying you though, Elias. I feel like, yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit of a copycat. So if I'm going to go for a differential, I think I'll go for Wallace because I think his delivery is just going to be absolutely deadly from from set pieces, from crosses as well. Um, I'll say Wallace just to be just to be a little bit different, but in my mind, I know that Swift is is going to be hopefully everything that we've missed. And isn't that so funny that we've both picked players that we've just signed as well? And it kind of just shows how good the the, the business has yeah. been in the transfer window so far that we've seen players already in preseason have mm-hmm. such a massive impact. I mean, Wallace has already delivered a few assists, delivered one to Swift, actually. Yeah, that was really And then, good, yeah. exactly, yeah. And, and Swift's been playing so well. And again, there, you touch on the defence, but that's something that we kind of took for granted last season because that was one department where we were actually pretty good. I mean, we yeah. didn't concede many goals. Um, and maybe this question marks about how we kind of progressable from defence and maybe the deliveries from out wide and stuff wasn't, weren't always the best. But in terms of defensive stability and whatnot, um, I think, yeah, I think that's just kind of something we kind of take for granted a little bit now. Again, though, it'd be interesting to see how Button kind of um, combines yeah. with the defenders because Johnston, um, obviously, you know, England international, someone with a lot of pedigree and quality and stuff. Let's see if Button can kind of replicate and be a solid keeper for us as well. Yeah, it'd be, uh, yeah. I, I, there's so many players, isn't there? There's so many ones mm. that we could talk about. And that's what makes it so exciting because you've got so many different options. You could, you could be putting him in there as well. but yeah, we'd be here all day chatting through the entire squad if we were going to do that. But yeah, it's nice to have so much to be positive about for sure. Um, I suppose there there aren't that many youngsters sort of left milling around the first team at the moment, Elias. We've sent Caleb Taylor out on loan, Josh Griffiths as well, Kevin Castro as well has gone out uh, on a temporary spell. I suppose Gardner Hickman was would, would have really taken that role of breakthrough prospect last mm. season. Are there any that, that are catching your eye that might get the chance under Bruce? I know we, we've still got Ashworth as well, who's, who's played a few minutes in pre-season too. Yeah, and obviously he scored that great goal in, yeah. in Portugal. Um, I know he's highly rated, and obviously I know Caleb was super highly rated as well, but obviously he's gone out on loan. I think Ingram is maybe one, uh, because obviously we were lacking in depth yeah. a little bit at right back. Um, and and Furlong, you know, he can't play 46 matches this season, um, especially all these Saturday and Tuesday matches and stuff. So maybe Ingram comes in then, maybe it's Gardner Hickman at right back, but I think there's a, there's an opportunity there for him. I know he's been linked away on loan and there's a bit of interest. Um, but I think Bruce is still kind of weighing up the situation there on whether they actually think he's better for his development to stay or whether it's better for his development to go to a League One club and get some minutes under his belt. Um, it's going to be a, an interesting question. I guess one that will be answered soon enough. Um, yeah, so I think probably have to say Ingram and, and Ashworth as, as the fullbacks really. They're the ones that stand out. I think you, you could even make an argument that DK is a breakthrough prospect because yeah. he's so young. I mean, he's we, we forget just because he's done it in the championship before that he's still <laughs> relatively kind of unproven in terms, at least as a, a West Brom player. Um, he's so young. We need him so much. We really need him to make a massive breakthrough. Um, but yeah, that's maybe a bit of a niche and being, <laughs> trying to be too smart. But uh, yeah, Ingram and, and Ashworth, I'd probably say them too. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, DK, we, we do forget how young he is. I think Malumbi as well is a similar age. Yeah, yeah. You know, with all his island caps and championship experience so far, I think we forget how young he is as well. But yeah, there's so many options. I, I'd like to see Tom Fellows being given a little bit of a shot as well. You know, even if I suppose it probably would mean him going on loan. I can't see him getting too many minutes with the strength of our attacking lineup. But I just thought, yeah, I think he's got some real, real ability to take a man on and uh, relentlessly run at a defender. So I, I doubt we'll get the minutes, but I think he's one that I'd look forward to seeing. And, you know, those fullbacks as well, I think they could play a, a bigger part than perhaps we'd expect because it's going to be a big ask to get to fill all of these little gaps in the squad as, uh, you know, w- between now and the transfer win- window ending. I think we're going to have to fill a few of them with players that we've already got. So, yeah, those two could be a big option. And, 
Uh, Elias, I suppose the, the the million dollar question is is where do you think Albion are going to finish this season? Of course, I, I, I won't I won't push you for, for a specific position, but maybe a little bit of a zone as to where you think we might finish. Uh, I've got a, I've got a safe position. I've got. <laughs> Everyone has to. On, on, it's really irritating on preseason when you go like preseason prediction shows or previews, and the person will say, "I don't make predictions," but they're like, "Well, you, you yeah. you're on it to make a prediction, aren't you? So you got to do it." Um, there is there is I mean there are big clubs at the top of the championship and there's clubs with parachute payments and stuff and obviously we're we're one of the clubs in receipt of that um but I think we're in a good position it kind of all depends on whether the Akai signing works because I really think that number six position is so massive for us next season if we can kind of get players if we can kind of get it all moving from there and like make those quick transitions through progressive passing and carrying and stuff. I feel like we can really unlock for us and we've got all the quality in attack, um, but it kind of hasn't really clicked so well in preseason yet. Yeah. And, you know, such a tough start to the season. So. Oh, I think we'll definitely finish within the top six. I think I can kind of take that to the bank, but then again, I would have said that last season. So <laughs> I think I'm probably even more confident now. Um you know what? I'll say that we'll win the league. Why not? Oh, Why not? That, that is Why bold. Not? He's gone bold. No, We're I don't mind the league. Don't mind that. <laughs> We're going to win the league. I, I, I will take that. I, I was going to say something like a third or fourth, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was going to go for something like that because I think Norwich are, I think Norwich and Middlesbrough personally are, are, are the top two sides in the division, hopefully. Well, I think going into next season. But I think hopefully, I've got a feeling we might sneak in there, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be reserved. I'll say third. I said fifth. I said fifth last season, so we can't get much more further away than that. But yeah, I'm winning the league, at Elias. That's a that's a big claim from you, mate. Yeah, well, I had I had third or fourth in my head, and then I thought second. I was like, if you're gonna say second, you may as well just say first. So we're gonna win the league. Why not? Yeah, well, I'm I'm loving the positivity. This is exactly what we need going into the new season. But yeah, Elias, to, to, to kind of round off and and have a look at sort of what's to come. The window's still very much open. Of course, we've had these three big signings who are likely to be the marquee signings of the window. If if, if we're honest, and of course, some youngsters out on loan as well. Are we are we looking at outgoings before incomings? Still, do you think? Yeah, so that's kind of been the message from the club. I mean, that was a message from the club before the OK signing. So you, you never know. There could be opportunities that present themselves that that happen before outgoings, really. Um, but yeah, that's probably, that. as I say, that's the message coming out of the club. And we've definitely got a bloated squad. We've got lots of bodies um, in there. Uh, whether whether there is enough quality in, in many positions, that's a different matter. Yeah. And to be fair, I think there is. I think the, 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 there's enough there, actually. Um, I think one area that you really kind of look for, other than the fullback department, so obviously the understudies are kind of young and inexperienced, and it would make sense, I think, to try and find some decent backups there. But I think in striker position as well is a different is a bit of a question. I know obviously we've been linked with Cameron Archer. I think I've heard the Armstrong links as well recently, the one from Southampton over the past couple of days. And obviously, if we could sign them, that would be great. Um, but it kind of all depends on how you know, DK starts the season. Because if he starts the season with a goal against Middlesbrough, a decent performance against Watford, etc., then I think those kind of calls for a striker will kind of dissipate very quickly. Uh, he, so many matches, and obviously he's been out of action for so long and struggled with fitness and stuff. There's going to be those natural concerns again, you know, whether we can do it again this season. But um, yeah, I think we're in a good position. I think we're in a good place. Um, there, there are definitely some additions that Bruce would like to make, as I mentioned, fullbacks and striker, the priorities, it seems, now that we've got that number six position sorted out with Ecoslu. Um, but yeah, those are the areas. But I think I think in overall, I think on those three signings that we made, I think you'd be content with the squad, though, you know, you'd be super happy if we could have one or two more arrivals. Yeah, it feels a bit weird that we, I know Albion have got that sort of history of looking into the loan market, haven't they? You know, with uh, well, obviously a couple of seasons ago under Billich, we had yeah loan after loan. And I suppose I suppose um, with with under Allardyce as well, we bought in all of those loans in January as well. I, I feel like we've 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 not really looked at that so far uh, as in, well, as in bringing players in. But I've got a feeling that as, you know, the, I suppose, Premier League squads start to be assessed and pre-season starts to dwindle on for them, I, I suppose we might start to look towards the loan market to kind of, pad out the squad and give us a little bit more extra depth. Yeah, that's that's tends to be how it works, really. I think you can kind of point to um, 
the 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 summer under Billich when we signed Charlie Austin right at the end of the window was it on mm. deadline day yeah and it's kind of maybe one of those opportunities present themselves towards the end of the window whether it's you know I thought that it could have been something like a, a, a gale that could have come right at the end yeah. of the window obviously he's moved down on to to Stoke now and that was something that they were kind of looking at but it was never you know never advanced at all mm. um as from what I understand um so yeah striker for, for, for sure like I think that's something that will probably not get sorted within the next couple of weeks but maybe as a as a window goes on and we get towards a deadline day and as you say those Premier League squads start to look and you know you know maybe an Armstrong isn't getting picked in the the 11 a little bit and you know maybe he's not even being picked in the squad etc then you'll kind of kick up a fuss and maybe get a move to us and Obviously, if that's the case, then that's great because he's a great striker at this level, isn't he? So um, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we can kind of bet out the squad a little bit. Uh, but uh, as you said, if we finish the window now, I'm, I'm not complaining at all. They're three, well, top tier championship uh, quality signings that we bought in for free. Uh, I know that that'll be on a bit of, uh, well, big wages in comparison to the rest of the squad. But, you know, you look at it and you, you, you'd say that that's pretty good business. But Elias, it's been a, a whirlwind of a, of a prediction sort of episode, but it's been a pleasure to have you. Um, before we kind of let you go, is there anything coming up on the Athletic? Anything you've done recently that, that you think Albion fans might 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 uh, enjoy reading? Yeah, thanks, Lou. It's been really good, really fun to 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 do this preview with you and kind of like collate everything that I've kind of seen over preseason and stuff, and then look forward to the the season. I'm really really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, in terms of what I've been writing on The Athletic, I did a piece over the weekend on uh, Yukuslu that went up on Monday, uh, so that would have been a few days ago. Um, and yeah, interesting to kind of look at the player that I'll be assigning, really. So I did a bit of a kind of a deep dive into him statistically, looked at all of his strengths, a few of his kind of deficiencies as well. Um, and it, yeah, kind of the numbers prove that we are signing a player that is really kind of talented and quality at this level. So I think there's a lot of like really nice graphics in there as well. I spent a lot of time with it. So I think you'll enjoy reading that one. Um, I think a, a column's going to come out recently um, within the next couple of days as well on, on Steve Bruce and kind of the pressure that I think he's under a little bit as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's a big season for Bruce, uh, you know, over a thousand manager, over a thousand games as, as club manager. Does the fire still burn for him? Mm. Can he kind of, alter this this squad that was so kind of focused towards towards Val Ball and stuff. Can he can he turn it into a team that can perform, you know, win matches and play nice football and stuff? So those are questions that I want to look to answer in that. That'll be a nice read. Yeah, there's there's kind of be lots of stuff to come to come over the next few weeks as well. Um yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And and the the big kind of piece that I've done since becoming the Albion correspondent was the interview with Romaine Sawyers. Yeah. And if you haven't checked that one out, I think that's a really, really good read. And, you know, big thanks to him as well, because he kind of bore it, you know, bared it all out to me. So, yeah. Yeah, they're all very good options. And obviously we'll leave a, a link to your sort of author profile on The Athletic so everybody can go and have a look and obviously uh, drop drop your follow on Twitter as well. But Elias, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a, been a real pleasure uh, chatting about the season ahead and, and getting those positive vibes into, into the podcast as well. So thank you so much for joining me. Wicked. No, honestly, it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And thank you to you, listener, for joining us as well. Remember that you can find us on all your podcast platforms. Or if you fancy watching on YouTube, then that's also an option if you just search the Baggies podcast and leave us a nice little review as well if you've enjoyed the episode. But yeah, there'll be podcasts coming thick and faster now we've finished the summer break. And yeah, looking forward to the season ahead. But yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>